Hi, I'm Jason. And I'm Scott. Welcome to Skip Don Shuffle, a podcast where we delve into an overlooked song by a popular artist. Today we're going to be talking about St. Vincent and her song Human Racing from 2007's Marry Me. I know we've mentioned before about how we struggle to listen to current artists or or newer music, and I'm happy to say that St. Vincent is at least a current artist that I I listen to and I really love. I gotta say, I this, you know, I will totally admit that. I had never really listened to St. Vincent until we started, you know, getting prepped for this episode. Uh, just to give you a little behind the scenes look, what we usually do is we communicate through email and decide like what artists we want to do. And we pick a song, you know, through those emails and then we, you know, develop what we want to talk about for each one. And then we get together and record everything. And for St. Vincent, Jason said, you know, I want to do St. Vincent. And I was like, okay, cool. What are we going to do? And I literally had never heard anything before. So then he's like, I want to do this song from this record, whatever. So I had to get that record and listen to it for the first time ever in, you know, like a few days ago. So it's like, we are, I am literally going into this blind. I know quite a bit about her from, from hearing things from, 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 from you telling me things about like when, you know, you see your live and how you're a big fan and all this stuff, but I am just now delving into this. So I am almost like an audience member here, an audience, a skipped on shuffle listener, like being like, well, who's this St. Vincent? Let me hear these two guys talk about it. I'm with you now, audience member. <laughs> yeah. It's funny when you, you hear the comparisons, like I, I was surprised that you hadn't started listening at some point. Uh, just because there's all these comparisons to like Kate Bush and David Bowie, David Byrne, who she's collaborated with, all, all these things that seems like that you know, I love. Every, yeah. every, everyone was trying to tell you <laughs> <laughs> and you refuse to listen. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but uh, but yeah, we're going to talk about her and maybe by the end of the episode, we'll have a better idea of like what was going on in my brain. <laughs> So St. Vincent is really a single solitary member, which is Annie Clark. So we're going to start to talk about Annie Clark and then get into where this distinction between St. Vincent comes in and how blurry that distinction can be. So Annie Clark is born in Oklahoma. Her parents divorce when she's three and when she's seven, she moves with her mother to Dallas, Texas. She ends up getting her first real guitar at the age of 12 and she starts playing and you can hear that in her playing because she's a phenomenal guitarist. So clearly as soon as she picked up guitar at 12, never put it down. In high school, she's president of her high school theater club, and she's really interested in all parts of stage production, which if you've ever seen her out on tour, it's very cool. And every tour that she does is very different. So, you know, when you get a chance to like check her out or even check out live clips, especially from the last couple albums, her self-titled record and her last album, Mass Seduction, definitely check out just how cool the stage setup is. It's worth a look. 
So she's playing guitar and she really gets into composing music because as part of her theater club, they do a production of Alice in Wonderland and she ends up composing basically all the music that goes along with that production. So her parents are really impressed with her musical talents. Her aunt and uncle actually play music as a jazz duo, Tuck and Patty, and Clark works for them a little while as a roadie over the summer uh, when she's in high school. So after graduating, she goes to the Berkeley College of Music in Boston, pretty famous school for music, musical study, and she stays there for three years before deciding to leave. Essentially, it was one of those things of, you know, it's more about technical ability rather than creativity to some extent. You know, just with one of one of those stories of I'm learning things, but I want to be creative and almost unlearn everything that I've just been taught. So she ends up leaving there, tries to make it in New York City for a little bit and then ends up moving back home to Dallas. Just as a as a side note, uh, Jason and I, we, we both live in Connecticut, which is not far from Boston and Berkeley. And I know lots of people from from that have, that have gone to Berkeley, and I feel like they they almost universally have the same kind of uh, outlook when they leave. They're like, oh, you know, like that was really amazing to like learn all this stuff, but I don't feel like I've come out of it with like the all encompassing knowledge that one would need to like, you know, start a band or start a recording studio or be in an orchestra or whatever. You really have to get out there and do it. And it's really interesting that Berkeley is like considered this monumental music Mecca and really people come out of it and they're kind of like, yeah, now I want to just forget about that. (laughs) So she moves back home to Dallas, but she's not idle for very long. She hears that the polyphonic spree band leader, Tom DeLafter is looking for members and she auditioned. This is 2005. The Polyphonic Spree is basically this chorus group with tons of musicians, horns, drums, keyboards, strings, guitars, uh, this chorus of singer. I, I don't know if you can yeah, we, describe we, it any better. We saw we, them uh, open for David Bowie, yeah. and uh, and and yeah, there, there had to be at least at least 40 to 50 people on the stage. You know, the chorus was huge. It's insane. At least 20 to 30 people there. And then multiple musicians all playing all sorts of random stuff. So yeah, I mean, touring as the polyphonic spree must be a nightmare because I don't even know how you fit all those people onto a bus. (laughs) Somebody's some, some road manager makes their (laughs) makes good money figuring that out. So she's 23 years old and basically goes out on this tour playing festival shows in Europe with this big, huge band. Clark describes it herself as I tried out on a Tuesday and was on tour in Europe on Saturday. So basically, you know, just hitches up with his band, runs off and is playing shows. She doesn't stay in the band for too long because she actually joins another famous indie singer songwriter, Sufjan Stevens. She joins his band in 2006. He's not as big as Polyphonic Spree, but tends to have a pretty big backing band with horns and strings and all kinds of stuff going on. If you've ever heard any of his stuff shows she's playing guitar in his band. And when she's playing with him in Europe, reps from an independent British label beggars banquet saw Clark perform and basically offered her a record deal on the spot. So she gets this record deal and then comes up with the St. Vincent name. So she took the name from a Nick cave song called there goes my beautiful world about the death of there's a line there about the death of Dylan Thomas, who was a Welsh writer and Dillis Thomas died drunk in St. Vincent's hospital. She also says that her great grandmother's middle name was also St. Vincent. So she says of the name and this idea of this band, it could be expandable and could include other people and really be a whole entity. 
So with that, she records and releases her first album, Marry Me, in 2007. The Marry Me references a running joke on the television show Arrested Development. And here's a little taste of how that record sounds with Your Lips Are Red. My face is drawn. My face is drawn on with this number two pencil. Your face is drawn. The album gets very positive reviews. There's a lot of acclaim for her versatility, her creativity, but it doesn't end up selling too many copies. She goes out on tour quite a bit to promote it and then gets back to recording with her second album, Actor, that comes out in 2009. Clark has said for the second record, she was influenced by film scores and would basically be watching a movie, turn the sound off during some of her favorite scenes and try to write a song to complement it and ranged from... Disney movies like Sleeping Beauty to Wooden Allen, Woody Allen films to the movie Badlands. So a, a wide variety of, of different different material there that she was drawing inspiration from. The album gets great reviews, sells better than the first record, hits number 90 on the Billboard 200 charts, which isn't too high up there. But as being you know a name that you might not have heard about before this record, that, that's pretty notable. There's no real singles except the song Actor Out of Work that was released on a 7-inch vinyl in the UK. And here's that track. She had a few music videos to promote the album as well. She goes out on an even longer tour, comes back, and then starts writing her third record. So you'll notice that she's pretty committed as a musician to steadily recording and touring. There's a lot of bands I feel like we talk about in these episodes where there's like long breaks or going off on tangents and stuff. So this is someone who very much is passionate about music and understands this is this is the way to, to fame is this grind of recording, touring, record, tour. So she's in Seattle writing her third record, and she talks about spending every day pretty much alone, just spending these long days in the studio trying to hammer out these songs, leaves the studio, gets something to eat, goes back to wherever she's staying, you know, reads a book, and then starts the whole process over and over again. So she ends up with the record Strange Mercy, which is released in 2011. Maybe you've heard the song Cheerleader from that album. uses a lot of social media to try to promote the record. Uh, she ran this campaign to get hashtag strange mercy to be used a certain number of times. And once fans had used it X amount of times, she released the track surgeon uh, for free on her website. And this album really puts St. Vincent on the map. It goes to number 19 on the billboard 200 has 
awesome reviews. She tours the world uh, to support this record. And this tour is also notable because it's supported by what would now be her regular live band members, um, a keyboard player, a guitar keyboard player, and a drummer. So despite being on this track of success and getting bigger and bigger, she actually sort of takes a break and ends up doing a collaboration with David Byrne of the famous, now sadly defunct rock band, Talking Heads. We talk a lot about bands possibly getting back together. They are never getting back together. Yeah, I feel like when the Talking Heads and the Smiths get back together, that'll be like the biggest (laughs) day in the world history. (laughs) So they record this album together, put that out again, that probably introduces her to a whole nother set of fans for people to follow David Byrne. And then in 2014, this is a huge year for St. Vincent. She releases her fourth record, self-titled St. Vincent. It really blows all the other albums away commercially and critically. And you may have heard the song Digital Witness from that record. Good to you record of the year list this album tops a lot of those or is at least in the top five or top ten she wins her first grammy for best alternative rock music album she also fronts nirvana singing lithium when nirvana is inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame so she's really hitting this peak and getting out there and people are seeing her in all sorts of places and she's been continuing that success she released her fifth album mass seduction in 2017 a track from that album is this one, Los Ageless. In Los Ageless, the wind that never comes. In Los Ageless, the mothers milk their young, but I can keep running. No, oh, I can keep running. Since followed up that record with a piano-based version of the songs on that album called Mass Education. But now we're going to go back a decade or so and talk a little bit more about her debut album, Marry Me, which features today's track, Human Racing. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Skipped on Shuffle. Right about now, in most podcasts, you'd be hearing an ad for something, uh, but we are trying to keep Skipped on Shuffle ad-free, and the way we're going to be able to do that is through Patreon. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash skippedonshuffle. Any donations go to support the costs associated with running this podcast. Tell the truth now Your heart is a strange little orange to peel What's the deal? What's the deal? As opposed to a lot of people who get their record deal and and sit down and go in the studio to record their first album. 
Annie Clark has a lot of experience under her belt playing with these other bands, especially bands that have a lot of different sounds and really complex arrangements. So she's pretty comfortable in this mode. And she's talked about how she's been writing songs since she was a teenager on her computer, learning to, you know, multi-track record things and arrange things. So none of this is new to her and she's pretty comfortable with it. And basically she's said this was pretty inevitable at some point that I would start making solo albums and go out on my own. That's interesting because a lot of these songs then are songs not specifically written in the studio when she's going in to make this album in 2007. Some of these are ideas she's rehashing of things that she's worked on since since she was in high school. So that's kind of really interesting to, to think about with this record. I don't know exactly you know which songs or, or which parts or anything, but just kind of something to keep in mind as, as you're listening to this album coming from, I mean, she's even young at this point, but the, the songs possibly having the voice of Annie Clark, even younger. It's a very quirky album. There's pop songs, there's rock songs, ballads. She's an incredible musician in terms of, she can pretty much play every instrument possible. She's an amazing guitarist and that's pretty much what she's most well known for. Uh, but she also plays keyboards. So there's organ and synth parts. She plays all kinds of percussion, including drums, xylophone. There's also other sounds on here as well. It's a very rich production. So there's choir parts, horn strings, pretty much a lot of the stuff kind of cobbled from working with Sufjan Stevens and Polyphonic Spree that why she enjoyed working with those bands so much because they use all these different sounds together. And that's what she emulates in, in the sound of this first record. Interestingly enough, a little tidbit of information about creating Marry Me, the album. There's a, a very famous piano player named Mike Garçon who uh, plays with David Bowie. He's probably one of David Bowie's most long, long time collaborators, unfortunately, before Bowie died. Uh, but Mike Garçon played uh, with him on tour. He played with him on records. He's a very versatile, interesting pianist. And he actually had a MySpace page open. Uh, you know, this is back in the day when MySpace was still a thing. And uh, I guess he had a, a, an opening, like an open call that anybody could send him a track and say, hey, can you play your piano style over this track? And he would, you know, maybe pick and choose which ones he wanted to do. And then he would just play this Mike Garçon part over it and then send it back. And, you know, it'd be this interesting way of getting this really, really famous piano player to play on your track. So I guess, according to uh, Annie Clark, she actually did this. She sent him a track, uh, which was Your Lips Are Red, which we played earlier in the episode. And he laid down this track. And so it's interesting because Mike Garçon has this very distinctive style. So what I want to do real quick is, is play a track. This is this is a David Bowie song called Aladdin Sane, which is one of his most famous songs. And we're going to play this distinctly the clip with Mike Garçon playing in his style over it. So we're going to play this, this Aladdin Sane track right now. Now, now that you've heard that, let's play the section of Your Lips Are Red, which has Mike Garçon playing over it. So you can hear this distinctive playing and, and how it complements both Annie Clark's song and the David Bowie track. Red. My face is red from reading your red lips. 
pretty interesting that she just you know contacted this guy on myspace and was like hey i have this song can you play this track over it and then it ended up being on the album and i think according to uh what we've what we've read uh, mike Garson actually plays a couple of songs on the record as well and they became like kind of collaborators for for multiple tracks on on the marry me album so marry me is this very rich sounding album and we've talked a lot about the music but also paying attention to the lyrics uh, is really important because she's a very interesting wordsmith. There's a lot of just cool wordplay. Even in the opening song, Now Now, she sings this line, I'm not any, 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 and the way she pronounces it very much sounds like I'm not Annie, Annie, Annie. And here's someone who's kind of drawing this interesting distinction on the record between Annie Clark as a person versus St. Vincent as a performer, which I think is just kind of a very interesting aspect of listening to St. Vincent and you'll, you'll drive yourself crazy trying to, to, to draw lines between them. Cause this is, this is part of what makes her such an interesting artist is the, the distinction between the two. We mentioned earlier how Annie Clark spent a lot of time for her third record, Strange Mercy, uh, working in Seattle basically by herself. She would get up and, you know, work all day and then, you know, read a book, eat some dinner and then go to bed and then repeat. And that's kind of uh, her MO with with most of her, her musical output when it comes to recording albums. It's mostly her alone doing a lot of the stuff. She's almost like a Trent Reznor or, or, or something along those lines where it's like, pretty much her doing everything. You know, if you if you look at the liner notes to her records, you'll see a lot of guest musicians doing different things. But in in general, if you're hearing an instrument on a, a St. Vincent record, chances are pretty good that Annie Clark is the one who played it. This theme of independence and almost seclusion kind of permeates everything that St. Vincent does. If you read a lot of the lyrics, you, you tend to see a lot of things about that that make you think of maybe loneliness or solitude or independence in some capacity. And uh, it's it's just a really interesting thing to think about because when you're listening to this this music, if you keep that in mind, it for me at least, especially for somebody who was coming into this, you know, kind of blind, uh, the more I knew about Annie Clark as a person and as a as as a independent person who kind of keeps her personal life very secluded. It, it really kind of added to listening to the music. And what's interesting is, is that we have a, a quote here from David Byrne, as we mentioned earlier, David Byrne from the Talking Heads collaborated with Annie Clark and uh, they, they put out a, a record together. And uh, in, in this quote here, we have David Byrne saying, despite having toured with her for almost a year, I don't think I know her much better, at least not on a personal level. Mystery is not a bad thing for a beautiful, talented young woman or man to embrace, and she does it without seeming to be standoffish or distant. So this is really interesting. You have David Byrne, who let's just be let's just be frank here is is a total weirdo, you know, being in a good way, in a good <laughs> good good way, being on tour with 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 Annie Clark for for a year and coming out of it and feeling like he doesn't know her any better like he and so it's David Byrne Mr. Weirdo basically being like this, this woman's kind of weird I don't really know anything about her and I've been with her for a year it's, it's just it's really interesting to, to read that, to hear that quote 
and then listen to the tracks on Marry Me and 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 the spe- specifically the track that we're talking about today, Human Racing, to keep that in mind when you're reading the lyrics or listening to the music, that this is coming from a person who keeps herself very, very private. So in our discussion, it gets very complicated to figure out what is St. Vincent and what is Annie Clark, especially because when you read interviews with her, she's super personable, seems very open, very friendly, jokes about, you know, all kinds of things. But the the David Byrne quote kind of makes you wonder how much is Annie Clark and how much is St. Vincent and how much in St. Vincent is Annie Clark drawing from her own personal experiences, obviously to some extent, uh, or creating characters for herself, which I think becomes pretty obvious on, on especially some of the latter records that it's not, you know, me, Annie Clark speaking personally about things that she's been through, but rather transformed through some kind of character some sort of persona seems to be the way that she delivers a lot of things. And St. Vincent ends up being that, that delivery system. The first thing that I noticed when I first heard Human Racing was the idea that a lot of the verses and uh, and and lyrical stanzas tend to be about pairs. So, uh, for example, you've got Romeo and Juliet mentioned very earlier in the very earlier in the song. You've got uh, uh, the mention of a hummingbird and a flower. You've got a flower child and uh, the fruits of our youth. Then you have Mary and her little lamb. Then you have a little lamb and a green pasture. There's a lot of references to things that, you know, when you think of one, you tend to think of the other. So the first thing that I thought of was was the idea of her kind of writing this song about searching for her pair, you know, her mate, and maybe not finding it. Because at the end of the song, she does say, you're not the first to break my heart. That's the the final uh, line of the track. So it, it kind of culminates, I feel, in a somber, maybe even sad lyric that that kind of sends home this message of like, uh, may, you know, looking for something and not finding it or or looking for something, finding it and then realizing that it's not right or whatever. However, the song is called Human Racing. And when she says human racing in the track, she's not really talking about looking for a mate or looking for a pair. She's instead, this is this is where human racing comes into to the song. So she says, human racing and the faces of people who pound at your door, they'll always want more, they want more. And when I hear that, I think more of Annie Clark kind of being like, people are pounding on my door, they want to know about me, they want to talk to me, they want to, you know find out about how my day was and all this other stuff. And I don't really want to deal with that right now. I want to do something else. So it really kind of throws into question, like, well, what is this song really trying to say? And what is it trying to come at? And it's like kind of two different themes maybe mixed together. And I, I don't know that that's, that's the first thing I thought of when I heard the song for the first time. Yeah. I think it's about finding some sort of balance between things. You mentioned, you know, all these pairs, Romeo and Juliet, hummingbird flower and and i think that there's a lot of lines you could draw there to connect to you know romeo and juliet this romantic pairing uh hummingbird flower lovers little lamb running away you know maybe parent child relationship i think there's a lot of that and i think the the human racing aspect is how do i 
balance all these relationships that I have in my life. And there's always going to be someone, you know, pounding at my door is maybe friends also being in the mix or maybe depending on how demanding these relationships are and how do you, how do you manage all that? Which I mean, all of us are, are trying to manage in one way or another. Uh, and I think it's interesting you bring up, you know, and, and we've talked about this, you know, who is St. Vincent, who is Annie Clark. And that could just be, you know, she could have substituted those, those names in here because that's similarly something where it's like, this is, this is the pairing I've made for myself now in doing this as an artist who is St. Vincent? How do I define whatever that is? And, you know, it's it's come to, you know, be a, a, almost like a pseudonym for her. But that's not necessarily the case. Uh, there's still this Annie Clark person that she obviously, you know, keeps very private to people, you know, even people she collaborates with and and I'm sure has like a good working and personal relationship with. And even, you know, Someone like that can say, oh, I don't I'm not quite sure who she is as a person. Clearly, it's something important to her and a distinction that she continues to carry out through through the records and play with. So it's just kind of interesting to think about because I feel like this part of what makes this song so important is I think she lays out some of those distinctions and, and some of the things that she's working through. Um, in trying to find balance in those relationships. And also, as you mentioned, you know, hummingbird flower or, you know, a lamb out to pasture. Also finding where do you belong? Like, where is where is your place that you find the most comfort and, you know, can take a break from this chaos, this human racing, if that's how we're interpreting it. As I said at the top of the episode, I didn't really know much about Annie Clark or St. Vincent before doing the preparation for this episode that we're doing right now. And uh, I don't really know why that is. You know, I don't really know. Like we mentioned, like she's compared to Florence and the Machine, Fiona Apple, Kate Bush, David Byrne, David Bowie, like all these people that I really, really love. And she's kind of said in the same breath. And for whatever reason, I've just never really set out to to listen. And I don't know what that is. I think I, I I'm reminded of, of, of Florence and the machine who I am a huge fan of. And I remember the reason that I got into Florence was because I, I, I heard uh, kiss with a fist on the radio or in a store. So I don't remember where I heard it, but I heard it and I said to myself, wow, that was a really good song. Like she has a really good voice and that was a really cool kind of aesthetic to it. And so I went online and I checked out some other stuff and I said, wow, I like all of this. I'm going to check this record out. And I loved that first record lungs. And then I love the next record ceremonials and, and whatever we could probably do a, a, a skipped on shuffle for, for Florence and the machine at some point in the future. So I don't want to go too much into it, but 
I guess what I'm saying is, is that I, I heard something that grabbed me and then I was like, I got to investigate this. And I don't know why I just never really heard anything from St. Vincent. There's never been a song or a track that's kind of jumped out at me from, from a radio station or from a playlist or, or whatever. That's really made me want to go and investigate it. And so now for, for this, you know, for this episode, I've had to start at the beginning. You know, I had to get the first record, marry me and listen to this track and, uh, human racing and listen to the whole album as a whole to get an idea of like what kind of, uh, you know, uh, where this artist comes from and like what kind of stuff that she's, she's ready to do. And I really liked it. Like I like all of this and I'm excited to keep investigating further, but it is really interesting to think about like just how much music is out there and how much I'm missing out on, you know, like I feel like, you know, I'm older and you know, in my twenties, it was a lot easier. I was working at a record store for a lot of my early, uh, late teens, early twenties. And so it was really easy. You know, I'd see a new record come in. If I liked the artwork, I would just listen to it and be like, oh, this is good. I'll buy this, you know? And now it's just so much more difficult to really get into stuff. And I think, you know, for a lot of people to discover new music, they tend to go to Spotify and listen to a new music playlist or they, you know, find out from a friend like, oh, you should check out this artist or whatever. And they pop on that stuff on shuffle. And I'm not like that. I'm still kind of old school. I, I want to listen to the full record. I want to start the record from the beginning and listen to it to the end and really say like, do I like this? Do I want to investigate this further? Is this something that really grabbed me or is it something that kind of like, eh, or something that I'd want as background music or whatever? I want to go through that process. And I guess because I still have that kind of old school mentality, it's really difficult for for me to find those things and take and carve out the time it would take to listen to something like St. Vincent and, and get into it. So I guess that's, it, I guess what I'm trying to say is I really appreciate that we do this skipped on shuffle stuff because it kind of forces me to do this. And now I feel like I'm going to have a new artist that I'm going to be really into and going to love on the same level that I like all these other artists like Florence and Kate Bush and all the other artists that I mentioned. I think that that's going to be, that's, that's going to be really cool. And uh, yeah, it just, it's just really strange that that it's taken it's taken somebody literally forcing my hand to listen to the music to actually do it. And I don't know what that says about me now or me as a music listener in in the digital age. I'm not really sure, but it is really interesting that I'm just now getting into this. As Scott said, there's this hesitance that happens and I don't know if it's it's just us or our age or just how we are as album based listeners but yeah there's there's this hesitance that happens of listening to someone new so with St. Vincent I think it was really when uh, her self-titled record came out and I heard the digital witness track and there was a music video for it and I watched that and heard the song and I thought this is super catchy she had just collaborated with David Byrne, and I remembered hearing about that. And the song, I think, has has a tinge of talking headsness to it. So that really attracted me to the song. The music video is cool, and she just looks all weird. She like, has this platinum-dyed hair standing up all strange. And I, I was just so taken with this whole persona, her talent as a writer, and especially as a guitar player. So that was the, the first record I picked up, and I was just blown away from beginning to end. And as you mentioned, this record was named you know Record of the Year on all these different lists and stuff, and I think deservedly so. And I think that was kind of my hesitance for getting into St. Vincent, is you're also a little suspicious of someone who every time she comes out with an album, it's critically praised, and you get a little suspicious i think of like well is this person really this good or or something along those lines i don't know what it is so it was hard to figure out where to start and i think just i since digital witness had come out and 
she was kind of on a roll with that touring. I was like, okay, I'm, this is going to be someone who I listen to now. And I went back and listened to the previous records. And yes, they are as good as everyone says that they are. And went to eventually see her on tour and was blown away again by that. Just her talent as a performer and also just the stage presence and everything that went into the production. You go to see her and things are clearly very well thought out. The person I'd really compare her to is someone like Peter Gabriel, where someone's like, I'm putting together a show. These songs should be in this specific order, conveying these kinds of emotions, or I want the audience to come away with this kind of effect. And it's all very well thought out, choreographed. And it's cool cool to see and hear in more of an art rock mentality than like a pop show where it's just like, okay, we dance over here now and then do that. Uh, it's it's very different. So I, I would really encourage everybody, especially the last two records, the self-titled St. Vincent and Mass Seduction to look up some live clips of her playing because uh, you'll not only be blown away by the talent of her uh, as a guitarist, uh, but also a, a performer and seeing this this whole elaborate setup uh, that she has. As a guitar player, I just love watching St. Vincent play and seeing the ideas that she comes up with. It's just so cool. And this first record, we were talking before we, we started recording the podcast episode, we were kind of chatting about the first record, and Scott had mentioned, oh, that's so jazzy, and I didn't really expect that. And that's something that really drew me about the playing on this record and the Human Racing song, which is almost, I don't know, if you define it as bossa nova, but it, it's kind of got this cool rhythm to it that isn't isn't familiar in in a lot of pop songs, and it's really her guitar playing that I think drew me in quite a bit, and especially because she's someone who, despite we, we've talked all about the arrangement and how many sounds she incorporates, is she's someone who still can sit down at a guitar or sit down at a piano and play the song, and it's still a song. Scott and I have talked about this quite a bit where if, if you have a real song that's really good, you should be able to play it on a single instrument like like a guitar or a piano and the song should still be able to to hold its own despite whatever other, you know, bass drums, despite whatever else is in there, you should be able to to sing your song accompanied by a single instrument and have that song still be good and catchy. And I think Human Racing is a great example of that even though it's guitar based to begin with it's just really cool to hear how challenging she makes this song for herself and i almost prefer the solo acoustic version she does to to the one on the record and i would i'm sure we'll share a clip of the the live recording on social media of her playing it by herself but i would really encourage you to check that out because it's just completely hypnotic and i think that's what draws me to saint vincent so much is you love music that the person playing it or performing it is clearly passionate about it and super into what they do. And I think St. Vincent slash Andy Clark, wherever we want to, <laughs> wherever, wherever we want to draw that line is someone who really cares about the quality of the song and the product product she puts out in, in, in terms of the, the, just every, every aspect of the the quality of the the song, the music, the album packaging, just every every aspect of where you mentioned people go to Berkeley and they don't walk away with all those other pieces of knowledge they should have. And she has that and she puts all of that into everything she does constantly. And it's just refreshing to see someone who's so into it 
for the music and the the commercial aspect of it and the critical praise is just kind of the icing on the cake but i think she'd be doing this no matter what and i think that really comes across in the music thank you for listening to this episode of skipped on shuffle be sure to visit our webpage at skippedonshuffle.com where we have a blog and links to our social media facebook twitter instagram and also a youtube page where we perform the songs that we discuss in these episodes. We are trying our best to keep Skipped on Shuffle a ad-free podcast. So if you are interested in helping to support that, please visit our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash skipped on shuffle. Any donations that come there could go straight to keeping uh, Skipped on Shuffle a ad-free experience and go straight to paying for the various costs that are associated with running this podcast.